If you are in the Lord, you are never in it by yourself. Welcome to Cutting It Straight with Pastor H.B. Charles Jr., author and pastor teacher at Shiloh Church in Jacksonville and Orange Park, Florida. Today's text out of Ephesians 6.21, Pastor Charles will show us that the Lord will send special people to help fight your battles and how the Lord will give you spiritual resources to help you fight your battles as well. Today's message, you're not in this by yourself. And now, here's Pastor H.B. Charles Jr. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. And the English Standard Version of the Bible reads this way. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. I want to label this message you're not in it by yourself. You're not in it by yourself. In the book of Ephesians, Paul describes salvation and the Christian life in three postures. Seated, walking, and standing. In the first half of this letter, Paul describes the redeemed believer as seated with Christ in the heavenly places far above all principalities and powers. Then when you get to the middle of the letter going forward, Paul shifts the posture that he addresses from being seated with Christ to walking in Christ in our day-to-day experience, conduct, and relationships. But now, as he finishes this letter, he closes with one more section where there is a third posture the believer is to adopt. We are not just seated with Christ and walking in Christ, but we are also to stand for Christ against the schemes of the devil. And after this extended discussion of spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 20, Paul will 
then give in verses 21 through 24, our text is final remarks and closing benediction. But don't dismiss these closing verses of Paul's letter as unimportant or insignificant. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Without a doubt, there are some passages that are more important than other passages, but there are no unimportant passages of scripture. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In my own personal study of the scriptures and often before my public teaching of God's word, I pray the words of Psalm 119, verse 18, where the psalmist says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your word. It's a prayer for illumination. He acknowledges and assumes that there are wonderful things in every passage of scripture, but he prays for illumination, confessing that I will miss the wonderful things in the word if the Lord doesn't open my eyes. If your eyes are not open, you may write this text off as simple final greetings that have no Relevance to how we should think and live as Christians. But I want to commend this passage to you as indeed a wonderful truth God would have you to know as this letter closes. And the truth is simply this, that if you are in the Lord, you are never in it by yourself. Verses 10 through 20 addresses the subject of spiritual warfare. Our text, verses 21 through 24, is not a part of that discussion of spiritual warfare, but it is closely connected to it. I believe the link is in the word also in verse number 21. And as Paul wraps up, it is as if he makes a throwaway statement related to a larger subject. That indeed, as you stand your ground in spiritual battles, go forward in faith with this assurance that if you are in the Lord, you are never in it by yourself. On one hand, the Lord sends special people to help you fight the battle. And on the other hand, the Lord gives spiritual resources to help you fight the battle. Let me show you that in the text. First, Paul teaches that the Lord sends special people to help you fight the battle. Verses 21 and 22, we find Paul's closing remarks to the church at Ephesus. Most of his letters end that way. 
This text is unique because his personal remarks here are quite limited. This is all the more odd when you consider the fact that Paul stayed in Ephesus longer than any other city he ministered in. And yet, unlike other letters, there are no long list of people that he refers to or greets or affirms. Verse 21 is the first and only person he directly mentions outside of himself and the Lord in this entire letter. Some suggest that this is proof that an imposter wrote this letter, not Paul. But the truth of it is that there are no specific references here because this is a circular letter, as it is called. He wrote it to the church at Ephesus, but he intended this letter to be passed around to the various churches in Asia Minor so that the various churches in the region could benefit from this letter. So because this was to be read by multiple congregations for spiritual edification, he doesn't localize his references too much so that the letter would be applicable to all. In fact, the only name he mentions is in verse 21, the name of the man who was charged with the task of carrying this letter to the churches. His name is Tychicus. In verse 21, he tells us, who Tychicus is, and in verse 22, he tells us why he sent Tychicus to deliver this letter. One commentator suggested that there's nothing relevant for us today in verses 21 and 22. The text only becomes meaningful for us when you get to verses 23 and 24, but I beg to differ. The relevance of verses 21 and 22 may not be as obvious as the latter verses. But underneath the surface of what seems to be just final remarks, there is an important lesson here, church, about the communion of the saints. The communion of the saints means that no Christian was designed to make the journey by yourself. God has a way of sending special people into your life to help you fight the battle. This is the message I believe in verses 21 and 22. And I think it's an important message for us to get because there are times when our faith is tested, church, and we miss the presence of God because we don't recognize that God, listen to this, God shows up for his people through his people. We're waiting on God to swoop down from the sky. But the person that God wants to use to bless you may just be sitting next to you. Children of Israel were in the bondage of Egypt under the oppression of Pharaoh, and they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord told them, I've seen your tears, I've heard your cries, and I am coming to deliver you. And can you see the children of Israel shouting, the Lord is coming to deliver us? And then Moses shows up. And they say, oh, Lord, we thought you was coming 
to deliver us, but he did come. Do you see what I'm saying? God shows up for his people through other people. And you'll miss the presence of God in your life if you're not open to how he uses special people to help you fight the battle. I wish I had a sermon's worth of time to just stand here and argue that point out of the pages of my own biography in my life and ministry. I wouldn't be standing here today if it were not for people God has used in my life. I'm, I'm more man than the man you see here standing in front of you. I, my, I'm here because I've been undergirded by people God has brought in my life. Sometimes people I didn't even know showed up to help me just in the nick of time. Sometimes it's been people that have been in my life all along and I never thought God would use that person to build me up when I was low. There are people I would have swore couldn't stand me, but when the battle started raging, they were right by my side. I ain't the only one in here. God has a way of sending special people to help you fight the battle. We see this in Paul's commendation of Brother Tychicus in verse 21 and 22. In verse 21, we see that Tychicus was the brother Paul needed. Verse 19 and verse 20, Paul asked the church to pray for him. But now in verse 21, he says, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've asked you to pray for me. The least I could do, says Paul, is to make sure you get clear and consistent update on how I am and what I'm doing. I mean, information fuels intercession. You need to know how I am and what I'm doing so that you can know whether or not you need to pray harder for me or you can stop praying and thank God for answering the prayer. I can't put everything in the letter, Paul says, and all the more so as this is a circular letter intended to be read by multiple congregations. So he says, I am sending Tychicus to you who will tell you everything. He's going to tell you how I am, giving you an update of my personal circumstances. You know I'm in prison. You know I'm awaiting trial. You know I'm struggling with several physical ailments. You know I don't have a steady income outside of the gifts churches send me. He's going to let you know how I'm doing. And he's going to let you know what I'm doing. He's going to tell you about what I've been preaching and the leaders I've been raised up and how the gospel is going forward and how lives are being changed. I've sent Tychicus to tell you everything. Now, he's going to show up and read this letter that I'm sending for him to deliver. But some of y'all, while he's reading the letter, may say, who is this fellow? So let me tell you, this Tychicus is a beloved brother and a faithful minister. Yes, 
he's a beloved brother and a faithful minister. To say he's a brother is to say he's a fellow Christian. In verse 23, Paul says, peace to the brothers. That word brothers is meant to refer to those of us who are in the family of God through faith in Jesus. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. He says that this Tychicus is one of the brothers, but watch this. Though every other Christian is a brother, he's saying God brings some people into your life who, who are not just a brother. He's a beloved brother. I mean, we're not just going to heaven together or just go to the same church together or in the same Sunday school class together, but he's beloved. He's in my heart. He's close to me. There's, there's a sense of bond and affection and camaraderie. He, he's not just a beloved brother, a brother that is, he's a beloved brother. I love him and he loves me. We got each other's back. We are dear friends, he is saying. And God has a way, church, is what I'm trying to tell you, of marking himself present in your life by sending those who will be beloved brothers. Some of you all just show up for worship and to it disattached from the life of the church to understand what I'm about to say. But there are those who can relate to what I'm saying. That once you get into the Christian faith and start bonding with other believers, God can give you brothers and sisters in the faith that are closer to you than people that came out the same womb you came out of. Y'all ain't listening to me here. Yes, he can. You say, uh-uh, uh-uh, blood is thicker than water, uh-uh. Some of the most hurtful things that can happen in your life can be by people that share your last name. Blood may be thicker than water unless that water is called baptism. And when baptism has bound you together, you can get dear brothers that are so close, it's as if you came from the same womb. Yes, sir. Paul says he's a beloved brother. But not only is he a beloved brother, he's a faithful minister. He's a faithful minister. He's a minister. I don't know if that's an official title. The diaconos there is used officially to refer to a deacon. It is used in terms of the duty of preaching the gospel and is used in general for a servant. I'm not sure, but he says... He's a, he's a minister. That is, he, he ain't one of them church folk that show up and expect everybody to serve him. He, he's a minister. He's got a heart of service. He's trying to find a way to, to help others. Every believer in Jesus Christ is called to be a minister. But listen again to what he says about Tychicus. He says, my, my brother Tychicus is not just a minister. He's a faithful minister. Some folk, you got to look around to see if they're going to show up. Not Tychicus. He's been with me. When you read 2 Timothy chapter 4, those latter verses where Paul is at the end of his life, he begins to account for the few people that stuck with him, but the people that, that walked away from 
him. And unfortunately, in church, you'll still find fair weather friends. But Paul wants to make it clear, not Tychicus. He's a faithful minister. He could have been off building his own ministry, but he's been right here by my side. Not, not just when I was out there traveling. He went with me, Acts 20, verse 4, when I delivered the offering from the Gentile churches to the needy saints in Jerusalem. But even now, while I'm in prison, he has not abandoned me. He's not forsaken me. He has not let me down. He's a beloved brother and he's a faithful minister. Church, what I'm trying to tell you is that God has a way of marking himself present in your life by sending special people in your life who will be a beloved brother and a faithful minister. Uh, you say, well, I got beloved people in my life, HB. I got faithful people in my life, but watch the qualifier in the next phrase. They need to be beloved and faithful in the Lord. What does that mean? It means people you can pray with, not people you can go get a drink with. You need faithful believers. You need beloved brothers who can pray with you through, stand with you through, and encourage you through when the battle is raging in your life. Am I making sense? Paul Tychicus was the brother Paul needed. But then verse 22 says Tychicus was the minister the church needed. He says, verse 22, I have sent him to you for this very purpose that he may, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. He says, I'm sending Tychicus, verse 21, I'm, I want you to know who I'm sending. Now, verse 22, let me tell you why I'm sending him. It's, it's for mutual care. Do you see it? He will tell you how we are doing, and he will encourage your hearts. On one hand, I sent him for this purpose so that you'll know how we're doing. Mm-hmm. Them nosy people want to know. No, that's not what this is. This is genuine concern. In chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says, I don't want you to lose heart because of what I'm suffering for you because it is for your glory. From a distance, they heard about what Paul was going through, and they thought that it was something bad that he was in prison and they were discouraged. He says, but what I'm suffering is for your glory. But they won't understand that until somebody shows up just to tell them how Paul is doing. Church, thank God for people who care enough to see how you're doing. What they calling for? What they asking about my situation for? Why they in my business? They, 
They, they can't fix my problem. They can't pay my bills. They can't reconcile my family. But, but church, sometimes God got a way of showing you that he with you just by bringing people that care enough to know how you doing. Y'all not in here with me. God has a way, church, of sending postcards from heaven. Some of y'all nodding, some of y'all looking like, what in the world is he talking about? <laughs> Postcards are obsolete these days. We got email, text messages, social media, so that you can be around the world but never disconnected from people. You, you don't need postcards nowadays. You can put a picture on Instagram and show them where you are on Facebook and mark your location on Twitter. But, but back in the day, you, couldn't, you didn't have all that. You, you couldn't take a picture if you was on vacation. You'd buy a postcard and one side would be a picture of where you was. <laughs> and then it would be a little space for you to write. Uh, you, couldn't write a, you couldn't tell the whole story. You couldn't explain the whole situation, but it was just enough space for you to say, I miss you, I'm thinking about you, you're on my mind, I love you, and I can't wait to see you soon. We have made postcards obsolete, but church, I tell you, God still sends postcards from heaven. Sometimes that person that cares enough to see how you are doing is a postcard from heaven with God trying to tell you, I ain't forgot about you. You're still on my mind and I'm going to be there soon if you wait on me. I sent him for this purpose so that you may know how we are doing and that he may encourage your heart, that he may comfort your heart, that he may Minister to your heart. Let me be technical for just a moment. That word encourage in verse 22 is the Greek word parakaleo. I just bring it up because I like the beauty of the term. Uh, I don't mean to dump Greek on you. The word para is the Greek paraphrase, uh, preposition that is. It means alongside. Para, alongside. Kaleo means to call. Parakaleo means to call alongside. It's the word used in John chapters 14 through 16 to describe the Holy Spirit when Jesus says, when I leave, I'm going to send you another comforter, a helper. He, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to come alongside the believer on the journey and help. But he's not just sent the Holy Spirit. We see here, sometimes God sends people to come alongside. You, you, you still got to make the journey. You still got to climb the hill. You still got to carry the burden. But God has a way of sending people to come alongside to encourage you along the way. Won't he do it? I know he'll do it. He says, I'm sending him to encourage your heart. My son is 16 years old. When he was born, the first place I went out of town to preach 
after his birth, sometime afterwards, uh, in Port Arthur, Texas, where I made a friend named John Adolph. John Adolph and I were speaking together at his uncle's church. We remain friends to this day. A year or two later, Adolph invited me to preach at his church in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I uh, got there, and one day he took me to lunch, and we enjoyed ourselves. We became fast friends. And when he was dropping me back off at the room, it's almost we didn't really want to leave each other. And he, he said, well, what are you about to do next? I said, really nothing. I'm ready for tonight. He said, well, man, I'm headed to the gym. Come on, go with me. We went to the gym and shot some hoops, and I beat old Adolph in hoops a few times. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then he said, uh, hey, man, I'm going over there to, uh, to work on those weights. I said, you go on over there, Doc. I'm going <laughs> to keep shooting. He said, come on over there with me, man. And I said, well, I'll watch, but I don't do weights, man. We got there, he did his thing. He said, HB, you ought to try. Get out on the bench and see if you can lift it. I said, hey, man, I told you. I, I, don't mess, I, I can run on the treadmill with the best of them, but I ain't messing with those weights, man. I'm going to leave that to you. I, I'm going to stand with you. I ain't going to lift it, but I'm going to be there if something happens. I, I got down under, on that bench, and I started lifting my fear subsided because Adolf was standing over me. He didn't even have to touch it. He was just saying, you got this thing, boy. Go on, push. You got it, boy. I'm with you. Don't worry. You got it. And, and when I knocked that one out, he said, let me put some more weight on there. He said, go on, push, boy. I got it, boy. And he kept putting weight. I ended up pushing that day more than he pushed. And I didn't know how strong I was. And I never would have known if it wasn't for somebody that came alongside and helped me carry the burden. Y'all not in here with me. You going through things and don't even know how strong your faith is. And you'll never know how strong you are until you trust another believer to come alongside and help you carry the burden when you can't do it by yourself. If you in the Lord, you ain't in it. I keep forgetting to define what that it is, whatever it is. If you in the Lord, you ain't in it by yourself. On one hand, the Lord sends special people to help you fight the battle. Oh, but the Lord gives spiritual resources. To help you fight the battle. There's verses 23 and 24 where Paul gives a final benediction. It's a double benediction. A benediction of peace in verse 23 and a benediction of grace, verse 24. What is a benediction? A benediction is a blessing. From 
the blessing of Aaron in number six throughout the history of Old Testament, Jewish worship into the early church of the New Testament, and throughout church history, it has been the custom of churches to end corporate worship services like this with the announcement of a benediction, the announcement of a blessing on the people of God. The announcement of the benediction is so that when you leave here, you have the assurance that when you leave church, you didn't leave God in here. He's going with you. When I was a boy, you could sometimes hear the preacher, when folk walk around the offering plate and scoot on out the door. And the preacher would often have to say, don't leave, because there's a blessing in the benediction. Over the years, when I studied scripture for myself, I discovered there's not just a blessing in the benediction, the benediction is a blessing. This is why you shouldn't cheat yourself and think that when the sermon is over, you got what you came for and you going to rush out the door. No, when the sermon is over, there's an element you don't want to miss. The privilege the shepherd of the church has to announce God's blessings on God's people. You don't want to rob yourself of that because if you like me, you need every blessing you can get your hands on. And he said, I want you to leave knowing that when you leave here, you don't leave by yourself. Paul ends this letter and says, as you go forth, I want you to know you ain't going forth by yourself. You got a double blessing with you. Peace and grace. It's, it's the blessing he gave him when he started the, less, the letter. Chapter 1, verse 2 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now in verses 23 and 24, he again blesses them with peace and grace. Watch that. That's the double blessing you need coming in and going out. On one hand, you need the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 23 says, peace be to the brothers. The idea of peace in the New Testament is saturated in the concept of the term found in the Old Testament, which is more than just the absence of hostility or animosity. It's, it's positive. It's well-being and success and blessing and favor and health and prosperity and, and everything positive that carried over into the New Testament. And it's a major theme of the book of Ephesians where Paul talks about Peace with God, peace with one another, and peace within. Church, I believe it is this peace within that he describes here when he says, peace be to the brothers. May you end this letter and go forward to live out your faith with the assurance that God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ will give you peace within. Wherever you go. You missed it. Let me try that again. The Lord doesn't have to end the storm to prove that he's with you. He can let the storm rage. 
and give you peace in the midst of the storm. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. He says, peace be to the brothers. And love with faith. I believe the two are connected. I believe real spiritual peace comes when you have the faith to believe that God loves you. I don't care what they're doing to you. I don't care what they're saying about you. You can sleep good at night. With peace, if you trust, he loves me, sinful me, weak me, stubborn me, but he still loves me. I, 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 don't, I, don't, have to, I don't have to recount my circumstances to prove that he loves me. I just got to run to the cross. And see the outstretched hands of Jesus nailed at the cross to pay for my sins to know he loves me. He says, you ain't in it by yourself because as you go forward, peace is with you. Wherever you find yourself, wherever the battle is, wherever the challenge is, he's able to give you peace down on the inside. But he says, I can, something else, there's another resource God wants you to go forth with. You see it? Verse 24, I'm done with that. While peace will be in you, grace will be what? with you just think about that when you get up to go to work in the morning you ain't getting in the car by yourself grace is with you you don't have to go by the day in your own grace is with you you don't have to fight that battle alone grace Y'all quiet, you must don't know what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor, undeserved kindness, unconditional love. It's, it's God knows I'm not worthy, but he gives it to me anyhow. Not because I'm good, but because he's good. I was a teenage pastor. And I was excited to be a new pastor. I was opening the mail. Saw a postcard in the mail for a conference in Houston. I asked the church to send me. They did. I had never traveled to a conference before. I had traveled to preach before. Someone else made all the arrangements. This was my like first grown up trip. 
I was so nervous, I, I went a day early to make sure I didn't get lost in Houston. And I sat that day in the room by myself, didn't know anybody in Houston to call. But my phone in the room rang. The pastor heard that I was signed up for the conference and that I had come in a day early and that I was a teenage pastor. He had started pastoring the church at the age of 19 there in Houston. He wanted to meet me. He wanted to take me out to dinner and he wanted to take me to a Houston Rockets game. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got there not knowing anybody. On my first trip in an unfamiliar city, a broke young preacher. On my way out now, however, at a nice restaurant. I mean, it was nice. And he, he said, go on and order what you want. And I, I ate good that night. Not because I had any money. just had everything to do with who I was with. Then we went to the game, and we, we didn't go in looking for a place to park. We went down in a tunnel, special parking space. He was the chaplain of the Houston Rockets. We and then he sat me up in the rafters and he says, wait here for me. I'm going to go do chapel. And when chapel is over, I'm going to come get you. And I'm sitting in the rafters in this arena while he's doing chapel. And a security guard walks up on me and, and asked me what I was doing up there and asked me, did I have a ticket? I said, oh, no, I don't, <laughs> don't have a, don't have a. I don't have a ticket. I'm going to get kicked out in a strange city because I didn't have ticket. I didn't have money for a ticket. But then I told him who I was with. And, and he said, hey, man, don't, don't sit way up here. Come down here in this middle section down here because he's going to come out of that door and it'll be easier for him to find you if you sit right there. I had a good seat and I was sitting there waiting on him to come out not because I had money, not because I had tickets. It just had everything to do with who I was with. And then when he came out, he said, come on, man, we going to our seats. These were good enough seats to me, but we sat on the floor right behind the team in front row seats there, not because I could afford any of this. It had everything to do with who I was with. You know what you call that theologically? You call that grace. There's doors that've been open for you, not because of who you are, not because of what you've done, not because of how well you've been. It's been because grace have I got a witness? Grace. Grace. Open the door that you never could have opened. Grace got you the job you wasn't qualified for. Grace has been keeping a roof over your head and food on your table. The text says grace. Be 
you who, who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. <laughs> Do you see grace? Peace, verse 23, is to the brothers. Do you see how he describes the brothers in verse 24? He don't call them brothers. Listen to what he says. They are those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what it means to be saved. It's not merely about believing in Jesus, obeying Jesus, or serving Jesus. It's about loving him. And loving him with incorruptible love. That is, this is the perseverance of the saints. If you really love him, your love won't stop when he fails to do what you want him to do. You'll love him in the good days and the bad days. You'll love him when you're up and when you're down. You'll love him when the sun is shining and when the rain is falling. And it's when you learn to love Jesus that you can go day by day with the assurance that I ain't in this by myself. I got grace with me. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Y'all ain't in here with me. And are the called according to his purpose. If you love him, you can go to sleep at night. You can face whatever tomorrow is going to bring with an assurance of your heart that says, I got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. Grace be with you. You ain't in it by yourself. Got grace. That's the Christian life. It ain't just how you get saved. It's how you live. It's all of grace so that it will be all of God. And it's all of God so that it will be all for his glory. James Dixon hooked me up that night in Houston. He also told me off. That's the other part of the story. I was sitting there enjoying the game quietly until the opposing team, I don't know, remember who it was. They got a dunk in and I jumped up, started celebrating. Because I was from Los Angeles, and as a Laker fan, it was my moral duty 
to cheer against whoever was playing the Houston Rockets. He saw me jump up when his team was losing. He said, uh-uh, wait, 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 wait. What do you think you're doing? I said, man, I'm from L.A. I can't be rooting for the Rockets. He said, man, I understand that. But since I got you in here tonight, y'all ain't in here with me. You can't root for the other team on my ticket. If I got you in here tonight, you a Houston Rockets fan tonight. I'm finished. But if it was grace that got you through the door, don't you dare root for the other team. If it was grace that got you through the door, you make sure you give God the glory. You make sure you give God the praise. You make sure you give God the honor for what he has done for you. I, I used to be at a place where I was ashamed of my praise. I was, I was, I would apologize for praising God because I was scared about what other people would think and what other people would say. But then I had to look back and say, now they weren't the one that brought me out. Y'all ain't in here with me. They weren't the one that brought me through. And if it was the Lord that brought me through, then I can't be ashamed. Yeah, I ain't got to holler over you, but he's been so good to me that every now and then I got to lift my hands and open my mouth and give him praise for what he's done for me. Excuse me. I didn't mean to go that far. Let me testify. And I try to leave you alone. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty. I'll never know just why he came to love me so but I stand to tell you he looked beyond all of my faults and I sure got a whole lot of them and I ain't by myself but he looked beyond all of my faults and he saw my knees is there anybody here that can say he did that for you I said, did he do it for you? Why don't you shake somebody's hand and tell them I got good news for you. He's still in the need meeting business. He's still in the body healing business. He's still in the lie quieting business. He's still in the bill paying business. He's still in the door opening business. to say it can't nobody do me like Jesus can't nobody rock me like Jesus yeah 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 is there anybody here that no grace brought you this far come on just turn around to somebody and we finish y'all let them know I'm gonna make it further than this I'm gonna just go till I get it out of my heart 
why don't you turn around to somebody and tell them neighbor I don't know your business today but I got good news for you you ain't in it by yourself no, don't play with them you tell them like you mean it you ain't in it by yourself pray for you let me pray for you you ain't in it by yourself see some of you can't celebrate that because you want the preacher to tell you in three days you coming out I don't know when you coming out but I know you ain't in it by yourself. He'll send people to help you get through. And then when people can't help, he'll send peace and grace. Thanks for listening to Cutting It Straight with Pastor H.B. Charles Jr. If you would like more resources from Pastor Charles or to support this ministry, he can be reached online at www.hbcharlesjr.com. That's hbcharlesjr.com. Join us again for Cutting It Straight and God bless.